0: Embodied leadership has an edge over anything conventional because it allows us to access all of who we are. So our great ability to think rationally, cognitively, analytically, our capacity for empathy, and really to take effective action based on sound decisions that we tune into that are are congruent with the values that we hold.
1: Welcome to Rise Leaders Radio. I'm your host, Leanne Mallory. As a leadership coach, I work inside organizations and I focus on helping leaders achieve their whole person potential and meaningfully contribute to their organization's mission. With this podcast, I share leadership best practices, developmental approaches, and stories of exemplary leaders. My guest today is Dr. Chris Johnson. We just finished our call and I wanted to say a few things before I get into the introduction. Chris and I have known each other for several years now. We met in embodied leadership training many years ago, and it was a nourishing and energizing conversation with Chris today. We talk about embodied leadership, What it is and why it's important. We talk about her forthcoming book, The Leadership Pause. And spontaneously, Chris just took me through an embodiment exercise, and I hope that you enjoy doing that. For 25 years, Chris has worked as an executive coach, a psychologist, a teacher of embodied leadership, and a certified MBSR trainer that's mindfulness based stress reduction. Chris also holds rank as a third degree black belt in the martial art of Aikido. Good morning, Chris. Thank you for being here. I'm so happy that our paths continue to cross through our work, through our training, our advocacy of conscious capitalism, and just thank you for being here this morning. I am delighted to be here. Thank you, Leanne, for the opportunity. Yeah, you're welcome. Let's start by talking about embodied leadership, because I I noticed that when I was writing the intro on you, that this may be the first time in my podcast that I'm talking about embodied leadership. And I just wanna be really clear about what we mean when we say that. And so can you help us out here? Yeah, I'll give it a go here. What's really clear
0: from the world that we live in now, a VUCA world, so volatile, uncertain, complex, ambiguous, that term's been bandied about. What's really becoming clear is that the world is moving at a faster, accelerated pace, and that leaders today are finding themselves kind of flat-footed sometimes in applying the old conventional leadership practices. And what uh, both you and I have trained in in body leadership is actually, instead of starting kind of head down cognitive, maybe dropping into some emotional intelligence, what you and I have been trained in is to consider the whole package, the whole body as a resource. And as Dr. Dan Siegel, an amazing psychiatrist who writes about these things would say, how do we start to work from the bottom up versus the top down? So instead of cognition, EQ, we don't consider our bodies at all. We start with the wisdom of the body, which most of us aren't trained in, so it requires a different kind of attention. Then we can tune into emotion, and then we can make great, more effective decisions when we're considering it all. So so it's a way of using the wisdom that already lives within us that we're not accustomed to paying attention to to inform feeling, relationships, decision-making, and then the actions that we need to take.
1: How's that? Does that sound right now? Yeah. And I, you know, right there at the end, as you're talking about, um, and the actions, what the outside world may see are the actions. So other people are kind of judging those actions, and they're resonating or not, with how we're showing up. Yes. And so, Whether we are aware of the assessments that we're making of other people or not, we're always making those assessments and we're keying into things like, is this person walking their talk? Do they feel congruent when I hear them speak about things like vision and values and then I watch the actions that they take or how they treat other people, then I have an assessment of, you know, is there alignment there? Do they feel authentic? Oftentimes I think that when we're uh, judging whether we think someone is authentic or not, we're really talking about embodied leadership. How does that sound? It sounds right. We're talking about embodied leadership and, as you said, the alignment,
0: the congruence between what somebody espouses, what a leader says he or she believes in, and what they can actually take action on. So as you and I know, um, the traditional, more rationalistic way of viewing leadership, it wouldn't consider the body at all. The body would be simply a transport vehicle to move from one meeting (laughs) to another. And, you know, in those meetings, we'd be absorbing content as if that were all that were needed. The content's useful, especially in technical areas, right? But the capacity to take that content and relate it as a leader to delegate with teams, to uh, rally around the conversation, to get everybody's participation, that's more of an embodied skill. Traditionally, and I hate this term, I don't know what you think about it, but it was labeled as a soft skill. But to be attuned into the body is actually the primary skill. And as a primary skill, if we can learn to do this, and bring that congruence in like you mentioned that's where the power is. that's where the juice is
1: in all of it right i agree i agree and I, so i was going to ask you secondly you know why is embodied leadership important so we just talked about a definition we're moving now into why we think it's important and what i heard there is inspiring trust and confidence in the people that we lead or that we just work with i think more and more in the world of distributed leadership that we do have formal leaders but we're all needing to take initiative take ownership be committed and that is also a form of embodied leadership so it's not just the formal leaders But being able to take action, and then you started off by saying, you know, in this VUCA world, to not be caught flat footed is important. And I think that leaders, and I'm going to use that term fairly loosely, we can be a still point in the chaos when things are going crazy, and they just are getting crazier, it seems these days, that... I can ask myself how can I not get pulled into that? How can I kind of be a stand for something more yes. sane and yes. calm And although rational is a is a heady term, it's more thoughtful let me say that a more thoughtful type of leadership. One of the things I
0: speak about often is a study that was done by for creative leadership and they uh, in conjunction I believe with IBM and they, interviewed CEOs, um, and of the 1,500 or so CEOs that they interviewed, well over half of them didn't believe that their organizations knew what to do mitigating this VUCA world. And just a little bit more than that, so it was upwards of 60%, didn't believe that they themselves as a leader, they didn't know what to do. And these are really smart people. These are really accomplished people. So to be able to hear them and listen to the deep need of how they care for their folks and how they navigate and keep their eye on a unfolding future, embodied leadership has an edge over anything conventional, because it allows us to access all of who we are. So our great ability to think rationally, cognitively, analytically, our capacity for empathy, and really to take effective action based on sound decisions that we tune into that are are congruent with the values that we hold right? So those folks, it's like, wow, well, let's get our hands on those folks, because they're out in the front, and they need a lot of support. And embodied leadership is really a way for them to supercharge leadership.
1: Yeah, what I heard you say there too, or infer is this reliance on expertise and our technical capabilities has its limits. In the world that we're living in, and maybe it's been this way for a long time, and we're just knowing how to put words to it now, but especially now, expertise reaches kind of a a dead end, and then we're left with now what? And so I do think the embodied leadership is a way for us to, like you said, tap into all of that knowing, all of that wisdom. And Chris, I want to read something here because I was uh, looking at your website and you have some really beautiful ways of talking about embodied leadership. So if you don't mind, I just want to read back to you your own words on embodied leadership. Yes. All right. (laughs) Organizations and businesses of all size reflect their leaders. When your energy is high and your actions are congruent with your words, your presence produces trust. With that foundation, engagement and right action follow. It's what draws clients in, creates new opportunities, and prevents you from having to hustle your way toward burnout. Being a transformative leader is about holding a vision for something different in the world. It comes with unique challenges to our attention, our way of being in the world and our connections with one another. While you can't erase the uncertainty your organization and people are facing, you do have the power to respond to their challenges with intention, integrity, and honesty. I think that is so beautiful. And when I read that, I really look forward to reading the book that you are in the process of publishing now called The Leadership Pause. Can we just talk about then the leadership pause and, and what that is and, sure. and how that supports all of these other things, embodied leadership, the ability to not be flat-footed, to respond well in, in VUCA times?
0: Yeah, thanks for asking, Leanne. The idea for the leadership pause uh, was born out of an experience that I was having about 10 years ago in my own leadership. So there's that. And it was like, well, what is this? Because I can get a little out ahead of my <laughs> skis sometimes, right? And like so many today. So there's truth there. But in the years that have gone by and the work that I've done with leaders and the way that the world is accelerating at a pace that's really hard to keep up with, And we know this, some of the research and technology, which we won't go into here, but it's just really hard to juggle everything. And as I have been working with and teaching leaders about how to bring a mindful attention to their daily lives, what became pretty apparent is that there's this one nodal point and it's the leadership pause, that's it. It's really simple but you got to keep your eye on that (laughs) ball because it'll dissipate right away, right? It's going to go away. So the way I define the leadership pause is really it's a committed action by a leader to deliberately practice pausing. And so there are different kinds of pause. There might be a momentary pause where I step back, take a breath. And in that breath, I can see and observe what's going on between you and I I can feel into myself like, oh, what's important? Am I congruent with my own values here? I can actually look at the broader horizon of work and like, oh, this is what's going on in the world and take all of that in kind of in a nanosecond. So a pause could be that momentary. It could be a short pause to uh, create a deliberate practice of mindfulness. It could be a weekend pause. I know last year I was on a ski trip with some buddies of ours, and he's a big executive at a tech company. And he said, Chris, this is just the pause I needed to
1: get away and recharge and renew my life. And those are the things that we often think that we don't have time for. And we we hit that point of diminishing (laughs) returns because we think we don't have time to pick our head up. I was just, as I was listening to you, thinking about a conversation that I was having with an executive yesterday that is having to make some tough decisions around workforce, workforce realignment, given the new realities of revenue or decreasing revenue. And yeah. then what happens in the environment that we're in? We're all, you know, like you and I right now, are on Zoom the conversations that need to be had in this environment and how much more difficult it is when we can't really see each other and and, and feel each other. So people's tendency right now is to get more into the detail, like they want more transparency at a lower level and get more detailed where more space feels like it's what's needed. So reminding ourselves, taking that pause to say, what is the bigger commitment? What's the bigger vision? What is our mission here? And aligning back around that rather than getting sucked in to the details and all of those concerns that are very valid, but they don't get us unstuck. No, they don't. If I could just add to this, what
0: it sounds like when you say that. And I've seen this too, and actually I've felt it in myself at moments, is this sort of grappling for more certainty, as if the details will provide a certain handhold to help us get through the kind of craziness. And and then I fast forward to a trip that we took down the Royal Gorge on our honeymoon, and you know we're on a whitewater raft, and you gotta have right. a handhold to hold on to those, you know, and you don't want to let go. And so there's a real human tendency, like, let me hold on. And yet, you know, if you're going through the rapids, it's not so bad. But then sometimes it's like, how do we relax and allow the space to support us? So one of the things that's really important from an embodied learning and embodied leadership point of view is to remember that the space around us is a resource and a nourishment. And we don't tend to think about it that way. But if we can, and then loosen our grip, allow a pause to interrupt our automatic
1: flow, then there's a lot more here to buoy us up while we're navigating. What do you mean by space? So that space around us can be nourishing. What do you mean by that? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I tend to look at a few elements of pause. So
0: one element of pause is being open another is the pace, another is connection. I write about these in the book, but one is about space. And so if you and I look at the rooms that we're in right now, even though we're connected on Zoom, there's a lot more space in this room than there is stuff, right? And that space, while it sounds woo-woo and out there, you know, the physicists among us would have a whole lot to say about what's in this space, Um, but there's a lot of room to allow our tensions to dissipate. There's a lot of room here to let all that go versus mm-hmm. holding it tight in our bodies. And I know you can see me on Zoom now, so I'm kind of like crunched up and constricted. And you know, anybody listening, like, <laughs> go ahead, crunch up and listen. And like, oh yeah, that's a real fun place to operate from versus I'm gonna take a big breath and pause, allow all that stuff to go into the space and it helps us be more present. So that's
1: what i mean by space Does absolutely that help? and i think with the awareness with you know when we become an embodied leadership practitioner or a practitioner of the pause whatever that is we start noticing when we don't feel like we have space. So like you said, that constriction, like if you're really contracted. When I was speaking with my client yesterday, I felt it in my body and I felt my own desire go into problem solving and we'll answer all the questions. And my whole physical Uh posture started kind of curling in, like I was looking down, my breath was more shallow, so when I recognize that in myself, and of course I can be of no service to my clients if I'm in that space too. So I had right. to, you know, kind of sit back, pull my shoulders back, broaden my peripheral vision, take some deep breaths. And all of those for me, now that I've asked you the question, those are ways that I bring space into My body to my thinking. And then I can be a lot more resourceful. And whether we're coaching or whether we're leading teams or whatever, once we find ourselves kind of hunched over with the shoulders pulling in and all of that, we are really limiting our ability to provide different perspectives, be more resourceful, and give that space. Absolutely. You know, I mentioned those elements of
0: pause and we're focusing a little more on space, it's probably because space is the most challenging for Mm. me because I historically can a lot going on myself. And so it feels like there's not enough space. Often people talk about it as time, but it's really space. And it's really about energy. So to your point about what you do to uh, bring alignment um, one thing To help listeners, also another thing, in addition to what you said, might be, um, I often have folks, I do this myself, I often have folks sit at the edge of their chair so they can feel their bum in the seat and then have a 90-degree angle with their knees, feeling the feet on the floor, and then to breathe up their spine from their tailbone all the way into the crown of their head. They actually get a little taller. You don't have to tell anybody you're doing it. But in fact, this posture allows a certain seeing, so your head's not down. And that uplift actually connects us to something bigger than we are. So we have the support of the ground and the chair. But also like, wow, there's a reason if we're tuned
1: into our purpose. So like, what what are we all here for? What's the really big yes we want to say yes to? Well, thank you for saying that, because I do want to tie this in. So an earlier podcast I did, now I can't remember, it's one or two episodes ago, I think two episodes ago, was a mini podcast and I was talking about owning your value. And that the first element, or I would say even requirement for owning your value is to know your stand, what you stand for. And, And as you were saying, that's your commitment, that's your purpose. That's what am I here for? And I know that you also speak about clarity. And so can you tie together clarity and the pause? I'll give it a go, Leanne. We'll, we'll see how this goes here. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So <Good. laughs>
0: for all of those who might be listening, I'm going to reflect here for a moment that when I get on a roll, maybe when you get on a roll, we can get really caught up in our head, those details you mentioned, the stuff on our to-do list, the impact we want to have, and we can have a lot of energy, we would say, from an embodiment point of view, up and high. When there's a lot of chatter in the mind, this is where mindfulness also comes Mm. in to help, when there's a lot of chatter, it's really difficult to be clear-headed, clear-eyed, clear-hearted about what's the most important, what's the most relevant action to take in this very, very moment. So clarity, there's a quote by Lao Tzu about, you know, can you be patient enough to let the mud settle so that the right answer can arise? And I'm not always so patient. And I suspect there are people listening who are not (laughs) always so patient either. And so, like, I want the mud to settle right away, but the mud has a way of settling in its own time. Our minds do, too, if we intentionally create the space. And pausing, if we commit to it as a part of the leadership pause, I'm going to commit to pausing, can allow all of that mud to settle so that whatever shows up in this moment as the next right action is the one we see and can move toward. We know from a neurobiological point of view that when we are overly stressed, our cortisol goes up, our vision gets really narrow. We get very pointedly focused, as my husband likes to tell me. He's, Chris, you're doing the pointedly focused thing again. I'm like, okay, so then I know I have to step <laughs> back, take a breath, so that my literally my vision, you're, you mentioned periphery earlier, that the peripheral vision can widen. That allows us To be more clear seen, clear hearted,
1: clear headed. Does that help? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So, we have this one set of situations in this VUCA world where we are talking about volatile, uncertain, complex, and ambiguous. And I've seen the antidote for complexity to be clarity, you know, like, and as you were talking about letting the mud settle. That's what that's like for me. It's like, can we, it's, the world is going to be complex, but I think that we have a way of uh, interacting with the world that doesn't help. And that's when we are kind of thrashing about and reacting. So can we kind of just let that, let that mud settle or the settle your glitter in order for things to become more clear? I think another situation where we, we create our own VUCA world, where we, have our own self-doubt, all of those things that may cause us to lose confidence in our ability or uh, trust ourselves, that mind chatter starts there as well. Yes. And I find that when that starts with me, that I need, like you said, the pause, the spaciousness, and to let that mud settle there. And it really is muddy and murky. (laughs) And, I, and I'm not going to do my best work. I can't take a stand for myself. I can't take a stand for what I think is good and right in that moment, if all of that chatter is going on. So I see another benefit of the pause, not just in the VUCA world out there, but the VUCA world that I, at least, create in my own mind. Well, and Leanne, yeah, the, the reality
0: is it starts there. So there is is a real world that we live in, but the way that we have come to be in the world, uh, some of us would use the language, the way we're shaped, the automatic reactions that we come with, we've learned those over time and they work until they don't work anymore. And that's when we bump up against the challenges of a VUCA world outside, but also the challenges of the VUCA world in here, just like you're saying. And pause can be immensely helpful for that. It sounds so simple, but when we invoke a pause, we literally shift our neurochemicals to downregulate and allow our physiological system to relax a little bit. So even like when I was holding on to the handholds on the raft down the Royal Gorge, down the river, um, there's a way in which even there we can uh, invite a little bit more pause and a little bit more ease, even if we have to hold on. However, if we're not conscious of it, it's not an option because nobody's shared this learning with us and we haven't practiced it, we'll just do what we normally do, which is just get into react mode, which we see a lot of today, right? I mean, it's our biology, but how do we work with it to align and flow more effectively.
1: Yeah. I was having this vision of you and your raft with a death grip on those those (coughs) handholds, you know? And we do need to hold on, but there is a distinction between stabilizing and having a death grip on That's something right. where like we can't breathe, we don't think right, our head is down, we don't see what the next rapid is. Hopefully your guide wasn't in that same handhold with, with the head nope. down. I hope that they were looking forward at the next set of rapids yes. and what, what needed to be navigated.
0: There. Well, you know, in fact, he was. And what was really great is that we were—we went through a number of uh, Category 4, and then we did a Category 5, and it was like, whoa, you're holding on. <laughs> but what was great, his name was Joe. He was fabulous because he was calm. He knew the river. He knew that we all needed to have our helmets on, our gear on, have an oar in our hands, have a handhold. So he, we needed a guy that knew what he was doing, and then we could follow that. And it really does, to your point, make a difference of a, a handhold versus a death grip. Mm-hmm. And we can apply that in not just on the river, but kind of on this river of life that, that keeps going. And so actually, one thing that might be curious for us to even try here, if you're game, would be to just bring our own attention to our hands right now. Mm, okay. Just bring your attention to your hands. And uh, I'll bring it to mine. And just uh, allow your hands to fall naturally. And then bring them into a fist, kind of a tight fist. And then just gradually, with an out-breath, let them go. So that the fingers are pointed down toward the floor. I'm not sure what you're noticing. I'm curious. I can tell you what clients have said. Do you have anything here
1: before I? Well, I I noticed that it wasn't just my fist that okay. were tight. And I wasn't aware that it had moved up into my shoulders and into my jaw. And that I was holding my breath until I started relaxing. And I could feel like my whole body relax. So it wasn't just my hands. It was everything everything, and I wasn't breathing.
0: Pretty important to know, right? I mean, if we don't have that breath going, we actually have too much carbon dioxide, we get more anxious, etc. So the breathing is important. And What I've noticed in myself and with the clients I've worked with, with this very simple exercise, people do start to notice, oh, I didn't know I was holding my breath. I had no idea there was so much tension just in my hands alone (laughs) and all the way up to my elbows and my shoulders. So it's helping people tune in to the physical sensations in the body, both inside and kind of the sensory uh, experiences we're having outside that bring us into the moment. And that moment of pause and awareness is really key for all leaders who are aspiring to lead in this VUCA world and be really present to the craziness. How to stay present to it and um, maybe even enjoy the ride. That sounds really radical
1: these days. Uh, but even can we enjoy being alive, right? Yeah, it's a it's like a, an extreme sport in, <laughs> in, in a office setting or in a business setting. And, you know, maybe if we reframed it that way, it would be a little more exciting and not, not put us into survival mode. Mode. Yeah. Or that death grip. Or Mm. the death grip. Or the death grip, for sure. Yeah. I really appreciate this practice at the end. And I think it's something that we can even, like, if we want to practice space, I think one way to do that is just this activity that you just took us through, like, you know, holding and then relaxing and and feel that space that we didn't realize that we have around us, you know, That's feel right. that relaxation and that space. And I also appreciate, Chris, the descriptions that you've given of the pause and how it can be a breath, it can be a mindfulness practice, it can be a weekend where we don't work you know like say really take a pause for the weekend and just do things that you love it can be a ski trip it can be a a bigger vacation but it doesn't have to be something huge I mean can be like pauses throughout the day and I think those are really invigorating and bring about a lot of resourcefulness for us I agree. All
0: of that. And I guess I'll just put a fine point on it. The leadership pause is the deliberate, committed action to practice pausing in various forms so that you can begin to embody a different way of being that is responsive and not reactive. Mm -hmm. Because that's where the juice, good decisions,
1: aligned action really comes from. Okay, so I'm hearing that it's the deliberate commitment to doing it. It's not just uh, if I can remember throughout the day, it's how do I make this a habit? That's right. Good, good. I want to make sure that people until your book comes out have a way of getting in touch with you. And so I will link to your website. Terrific, thanks. You've shared with me also a link to an article that you wrote for Mindful Leader on the leadership pause, so I will link to that as well, and, and also your LinkedIn profile. So you have really been active on LinkedIn these days, and it's been like really juicy, useful stuff. So I'll make sure that people know how to connect with you there, because then they can stay in touch with what you're what you're doing. And I know that you offer several times throughout uh, the year different courses. I know that you've got one that's probably happening now, as we're speaking. But uh, I just think it'll be good for people to know how to get in touch with you. Is there anything else that you want to share or promote before we close out today? Thanks for asking. Those would all be
0: great points of contact. And I would really appreciate that and welcome anybody who would like to be in touch or check it out. I periodically offer mindfulness classes for leaders in particular. I do have an embodied uh, leadership program for women that's getting ready to launch here in the middle of October. I'll probably run that again early in the year. Um, That's called uh, Be the Leader, act with clarity, focus, and empathy, because we need a lot more empathy today than uh, we maybe have in the past. And so those are some some kinds of offers that I'm periodically taking care of. I also have a resource letter that goes out twice a month. Once a month, the first Wednesday of the month, it's with some content. And the third Wednesday of the month, it's about a pragmatic practice that people can take and apply today to wherever they're living life and leading. So that would be something folks could sign up with on the website if they want to.
1: Excellent, excellent. So I hope that you all really had the same experience that I've had with Chris throughout the years was uh, we would be in a room and this wisdom just starts pouring out and the heads turn toward Chris and what she is saying. And Chris, I want to thank you very much for uh, being with me today. I have an idea for something else that I want us to cover at another time, but I really appreciate really going deep into the leadership pause and embodied leadership in general. I think that it's an important dimension of our work that we all need to be paying attention to.
0: Great. Thanks, Leanne, for the opportunity. It's really been delightful and uh, I'll wish you a great day and great weekend. Take care.
1: All right. Thank you. If you like what you heard today, subscribe to Rise Leaders Radio on your preferred podcast platform. Your ratings, reviews, and shares are also really appreciated. You can also visit rise-leaders.com for all the resources we talked about today and to work with me if you're committed to making your unique and positive impact. Thank you for listening. And remember, elevate your part of the world.